Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters, where compounding interest meets hard cash. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking tonight? Ah, good, Matt. Good. I'm just uh, polishing off a margarita. A margarita? Um, Yeah. You know it's after Labor Day, right? (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, I'm all about uh, Spanish, Mexican drinks. That's a summer thing, though. Yeah? Well, we're still in the summer. I mean, it's still warm out. Yeah, it's fall. I mean, it's not technically fall, but it's like fall. Uh, You should be drinking hot apple cider with a little bit of uh, whatever they put in apple cider to make it um, hot, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Heat? Yeah, heaty. So I'm going to. What are you drinking? I'm drinking water. (laughs) I did did just. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I polished off a uh, vanilla latte with uh, half the amount of sugar from uh, Starbucks, and it was pretty good. I could have done with less sugar even. So maybe I'm going to do like a one pump. I'm a one pump guy. I'm a one pump chump, <laughs> as they say. Uh, so anyway, uh, the catchphrase today is where compounding interest meets hard cash. And that was sent in by Greg. Thank you, Greg, so much for that. And you can send those in via Twitter. It's at Money Matters Man. That's our Twitter handle. And if you want, uh, you can send them into our email account, which we uh, give out at the end of the show. Or you can send them into Facebook, which is facebook.com slash listenmoneymatters. Today... Uh, I want to talk a little bit about something that interests me because as a person who didn't go to college and a person who is in, uh, an autodidact, if you will, uh, I'm really into this whole idea of education hacking. And we have Scott Young on the program today of scotthyoung.com, who's a writer, programmer, traveler, and avid reader of interesting things. And for the last eight years, he's been experimenting to find out how to get more from life. And in fact, you can check out his TED Talk, which is called, Can You Get an MIT Education for $2,000? So, Scott, how are you today, man? I'm great. Great to be on. Yeah. And, and, and so I guess uh, the question is, can you get an MIT education for $2,000? Yeah. So that was the, the provocative title of my post. It's a and good it comes one. from the actual experience that I had. So a lot of people don't know this, but MIT and m- lots of major universities, but particularly MIT, put a ton of their classes up for free. And uh, this was actually, I started, I did this project when I did that talk a couple of years ago. So it's even more prevalent now. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing it, um, not many people had heard of this. And there were so many out there that I asked myself, would it be possible to do all of the classes that an MIT student does. So obviously you're not taking them with the other classmates, you're not taking them with a professor, right. but they give you, the in most of the classes they give you the lectures, they give you the problem sets, they give you the final exams, and they give you the solutions. So they really give you this do-it-yourself kit for teaching yourself everything an MIT student does. And uh, I thought, you know, wouldn't that be an interesting project to try to see, you know, I, I had wanted to learn computer science, I didn't want to go back to university to do it. And uh, I thought, you know, why not try it out? And uh, I did. I, I went through all of it, and I did all of the programming projects, and I passed the final exams. How long did it take you? So I did it in an accelerated fashion. I did it very intensely over twelve months. But of course, there's no restriction on it. You're not, you're not, you're not doing it under a registrar. So you could do it in your spare time over ten years, or you could do it like I did over twelve months if you're aggressive about it. Right. But you went to it. You went to college beforehand. Yes, I did. I, I did an undergraduate in uh, in business. Really? So, what made you want to go into computer science and and do it the this this way? What what like what what drove you to do that? To do that? Well, I, I'm kind of like you. I'm also an autodidact. And mm-hmm. good use of the word, by the thank way. Thank you. Thank you. And I I like learning a lot of different things, 
And particularly, I had wanted to study computer science, and it was a close call between going into business, going into computer science. I really had that entrepreneurial startup kind of interest, and mm-hmm. I was interested in having that skill set. Uh, but going back to school just seemed like such a pain. I would have to be paying all this tuition. I'd have to register again. I'd be with all these classes with 18-year-olds, which didn't really appeal to me. And uh, I took a couple of these classes online uh, through MIT's Open Courseware program. And it just struck me, you know, why am I trying to get into a you know, mediocre school, spend two more years of my life and a bunch of money to get a degree when I already have a degree, so why not just uh, try to get the best education and uh, do it this way? So it was an experiment, and it was also something that interested me. Now, were you working during this time? No, well, sort of. I, I'm a writer, and my website is a full-time business, so that's what I do full-time. So I was continuing to operate that while I was doing this challenge. Yeah. But of course, being self-employed, you have a little bit more flexibility over your scheduling. It wasn't like I was showing up nine to five at a job, obviously. Right, right. Now, what would, would, like, I, I think this is interesting because I didn't even know that there were schools out there that gave out even their curriculum, let alone actual lectures, how did you find out that they did this? Well, it is it is one of those things. Now it's becoming more and more popular. There's these things called MOOCs, which actually when I was doing the the, the thing that we're talking about that right sounds now. Sounds racist, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but Sorry. MOOCs stand for massively open online courses, which I think are it's like a spin-off of the you know, those role playing games and stuff. And okay. the, the idea is that these universities, especially these big ones, these Ivy League universities, are offering their, you know, their best courses and they're putting them up online for, you know, hundreds of thousands of students to take. And right now there are some of these MOOCs up. So you couldn't you can take uh, you know, some courses from there. But MIT actually over the last ten years has been just uploading material from their courses, not really that well prepared, just kind of, you know, some of them they recorded the videos. For others, they just the, the person just uploaded the problem set, said, here's the textbook, these are the chapters we read. And for for these kinds of classes, there are so many of them that when I went through the actual MIT computer science curriculum, I only had to make a few minor adjustments uh, in the courses that I took in order to do basically the, essentially this in uh, exactly the same curriculum that a, an MIT student would do over four years. Huh. What What kind of adjustments were those? Well, the humanities courses were a little bit more sparse, so I had to replace some of the like you're you're supposed to do an, like an arts class, and I, I switched it out for more economics classes, and some of the uh, computer science lab classes, like the hands-on classes, I, I couldn't take, so I switched those out for other computer science classes. I did the same amount. I just I sometimes had to make a few swaps. So um, when I was watching your TED talk, you said that uh, you know you, you were able to take the tests. Uh, like, how were you able to tell if you passed? Like, did the professors grade you? Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, what I did is I really took the kind of idea uh, behind the program is um, first of all we're talking about computer science here. So these are quantitative problems that have right answers. So it's not like English essays or um, they're they're problems that you can look at the solution set and know whether or not you got the right answer. And as a backup to that, so I I would do the exams under the normal conditions and then I would scan my answers and uh, upload the solution set and put them online so that anybody can, uh, you know, check over the the answers that I gave. Huh. What cost $2,000 then? 
Uh, well, the $2,000, so most of it is free. The only thing that costs money is if you need to buy textbooks. And I wasn't really optimizing for cost. I wasn't trying to make it as inexpensive as possible. I know that uh, I actually interviewed someone for my, my YouTube channel about this, that he's doing it 100% free um, hmm. for a similar kind of program. I only paid for textbooks. So some of the classes, uh, you know, MIT is a hard school, and if the material is a little bit sparse, Getting the textbook was helpful, and I would usually just buy used textbooks on on Amazon. So you know right. those could be as little as twenty bucks sometimes. Wow! So uh, so- sounds great to get a degree for two thousand dollars, but um, well, so well, it's, yeah, it's not a degree education. Yeah, I, well, I guess that's kind of where I was going because so you got the education, but do you think that you would be able to get a job with that, or it's, you know? It's interesting you mentioned that. So I I. When this, when I made the last, I made a YouTube video just sort of saying that I'd finished it and then I gave a link to it and it got quite popular on Reddit. A lot of people were commenting on it mm-hmm. and I went to look at the comments. There were thousands of comments and most people were saying, you know, this is great, but no employer would even look at you without having the college degree. And what was interesting is in the replies to that were actual recruiters, HR recruiters saying, no, 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 this is the kind of person that we would want to have. Right. Like, company who you know is self-determined and motivated in this kind of thing and I actually spoke to someone from a big uh, tech company he asked that I, I don't I don't mention him and he was you know sort of asking whether or not I'd be interested in working there now I already am a writer I already uh, do that for a living so for me computer science is to supplement my current profession it's not to get a new one mm-hmm. but uh, I do think that someone who pursued this uh, like I did they definitely have to maybe be a little bit more creative at getting to the interview stage so that their application doesn't get rejected. But if you were, you know, doing some networking or you made some contacts, I think if you got to the interview, people would be very impressed and they would be interested in how someone was able to really rethink their own education and take control of that. Do you think that a major reason the recruiters are reaching out is because you had had your whole site, you had done the TED Talk, there was like promotion involved, like so obviously you did like an immense amount of work beyond the degree, or do you think it was just the fact that you took it upon yourself to get the degree? Education. Well, I can't know for sure. The, the education, I'm sorry. Reddit, the actual Reddit thread only linked to just one YouTube video that I had, so it wasn't a link to my TEDx talk, for huh. example. I don't know whether the people commenting on it went into my site and did a full research on me. I think maybe they just saw the thing and got a brief description of it and were interested. Now, obviously, I think just with uh, employment in general, um, you know, obviously, if you are a well-rounded person that has a lot of impressive accomplishments and experience, that always does better. But I think it is about selling yourself. It is about uh, working that. And I think that there's definitely an argument that can be made that someone who did something like this creatively, maybe I don't have the same market power as an MIT student, but maybe compared to uh, you know a mediocre school that uh, isn't nearly as uh, ambitious, um, I think that I'd be able to make a case to to a lot of employers that I have some assets that maybe they don't have. Right, and and you did it in twelve months, but a degree like this would take what four years normally. Normally four years, yeah. So I did uh, the like obviously doing this kind of course, doing this program. Um, you know, I'm not attending classes the way a normal student is. 
I'm not doing a lot of the things that a normal student is. So I, the, the main idea was to simplify it to the evaluation of having the programming projects, which I think everyone can agree, if you do computer science, you should be able to do the programming projects that they require you to do and pass the final exams, which um, for most cases are, are substantive and they cover the whole course and they're, they're quantitative in that way. So uh, for me, I, it was also an experiment in how can you mix around the learning process to compress that information into a shorter period of time and still, you know, get passing grades in these classes. And I think that a lot of traditional university style pedagogy, like sitting in classes, listening to lectures, doing these kind of things are demonstrably inefficient. We, we know this from, you know, researching cognitive science and, and how people learn, and yet they continue doing it just because there's no pressure from an alternative system. And there's money involved. I mean, there's money to keep somebody exactly. in school for four years rather than 12 months. Yes. And universities aren't really known for being the most, uh, you know, forward-thinking, at least in how they run their administration. Maybe in their research they are, but... Well, don't they make a lot of their money on campus too, just with food and... and- and just the amenities of a campus. Yeah, I think it's it's an entrenched system, and I don't think that I don't think that what I'm doing is going to necessarily replace it or overthrow it. But I'd like to just give some more ideas to people who are looking at you know this is just being between a rock and a hard place, and or even just people maybe like yourself who are kind of past the university age but want to acquire certain skills that normally they'd feel they'd have to go back to university for. Well, I think the people that are really going to change it are the employers. I mean, if the employers say, all, all we care about is that you can do the work and not necessarily the piece of paper, then that just mitigates college completely. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a possibility. Which would be interesting. Andrew, you had a question? Yeah, so um, I, I think it's really impressive that, that you know you got this education developer, you know, my you know MIT style and I watched your other video and I saw that uh, you actually went to uh, China with your buddy and uh, immerse yourself in the culture learn Chinese from from scratch just by being there and I guess I'm curious uh, do you have any kind of like tricks towards how you're approaching this this learning on such a quick and, and like massive scale yeah definitely definitely so a couple of things that I can talk about one, is the importance of spending most of your time um, actually practicing. So to give an example, one of the things we know is not very effective for learning is sitting through lectures. That people don't retain very much, it's largely a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And actually schools like MIT have started to move away from this and moving to work, working in small groups through problem sets because that's what they found people actually do to learn. So when I was doing this uh, MIT challenge, I was spending at least half of my time just doing problem sets. And so I was probably spending, you know, maybe as much time doing problem sets as, a, as an MIT student would, but I was cutting down on some of the other time that they would be spending, you know, in these mandatory lectures and things. And in uh, China, for example, instead of, you know, sitting in a class learning Chinese, I was constantly sort of exposing myself to real situations where I had to use my Chinese. So that, that's that's one major tip that if you can make any change in how you learn things, spend more time in a situation where you may be wrong um, and that you have to test yourself rather than passively absorbing information. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, it's interesting to be able to do something like that, but does it translate into getting a job is really the big question. No, it is a big question, and I think, um, you know, I'm certainly not p providing a complete answer. 
what I do suggest is uh, people who are kind of interested in this approach, there is a hybrid approach um, called do it, the do-it-yourself degree. And it was a friend of mine, Jay Cross, who kind of exploited this. And essentially, it is, a, it is halfway between what I'm doing and what, uh, getting a real degree at university. So you do get a real degree, a real degree. Um, but you do a lot of your courses through distance ed and through uh, online education, and you can test by exams. And in doing that, you can maybe reduce the amount of actual classes you have to sit through to a much smaller percentage of the classes, and you're doing a lot more of the classes the way I did. So I don't want to paint it as you know an all or nothing. I did a fairly extreme project, right. but if you're if you're on the fence and you're like, you know what, I think maybe a lot of employers are just gonna be like, that's just too weird. I want a person who has an actual degree. Uh, there is a way of doing that. And so I suggest the people who are interested check out that. So that's the do-it-yourself degree. If they Google it, they'll find his website. But when you it, when you go to test out of something, because I know you can test out of classes, does that mean you pay for that class or can you like literally test out and get the credits for it? Well, I think, again, I'm not as yeah. familiar with the entire system, but I believe some of it is because they're doing transfer credits. So it's, it's a little bit complicated. That That's why I, uh, I trust uh, Jay's opinion because he's done an incredible amount of research about how the different bureaucracies, the universities work to exploit this. But in some of the cases, what you're doing is you're actually taking it through another university and then transferring it to your own university. So that can affect the cost as well. Right. See, and I, I like the idea of learning yourself, but then it's like putting it into action. And I know, like, I, I mean, I've, I've never personally had a problem getting a job without an education. I mean, I've only worked in small businesses, which a lot of small businesses don't really care so much about a degree. And you can get paid decent amount of money. And you can do, you know, what you do. Like, you can be a programmer. I've, I was a programmer at these small firms in the area getting paid decent amount of money without a degree. And as long as you can do the work, uh, then it really doesn't matter. And the fact that you know, you can, you could essentially say that you have an MIT education and they might just kind of glaze over that and not ask for the actual piece of paper and just assume that that's, you know, an MIT degree. Have you come across that at all? Well, I, I've not tried that. I think it would probably be beneficial to be upfront. I know sure. uh, in, 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 um, in a sort of an ir ironic twist, MIT's own dean of admissions was caught having falsified some of her advanced degrees. <laughs> um, uh. so there's some irony there. So I wouldn't go around telling people that I have a degree. Sure. But I would in the interview process, maybe right on the thing that you have an MIT education, and then when you go to the interview, explain to the person, look, I don't, I didn't go to MIT, but I did this. And I think that if you are intelligent and motivated and, and you can communicate yourself well, you could explain to the person that not only have you covered all of the material in this this thing and they can go check it out and it's it's legitimate, but also you have the skills that they need. And that's yeah. what they really care about ultimately. So I think that um, if if that's how you got in the door, you said you have an MIT education and you get to the interview and you say, hey, you know, it's not exactly what you think it is, but maybe it's even more interesting. That's I, I don't know. I was going to say, yeah, I would imagine a smart employer would find that more fascinating than actually going through the degree program. And, you know, not everybody's going to be on board with it. I think some people might think, you know, that's that's BS or something. But remember, you don't need everybody on board. You need a few people. Um, if we're talking about employers, you, you don't need that many to say, yes, no, mm -hmm. this is the kind of person we want. We want someone who's self-determined, a quick learner, can teach themselves things rather than maybe just someone who will be another cog in the in the machine. Right. And all the materials that you found were on the MIT website just there? Yeah, so it's ocw.mit.edu and that is the older website that they have which is called MIT Open Courseware and there are literally thousands of courses that have varying levels of material 
that you can just download for free. You don't even have to sign up. And not even, and not just programming. Sorry. And not just programming. No, computer science has a lot. Um, it's it's MIT after all. Sure. But there's also tons for physics, mathematics, medicine. I think there was some in psychology. Wow. Uh, the ones that are are less supported there, at least, uh, tend to be the humanities courses are a little bit less. Um, but anything technical, uh, they they tend to have, and they have lots of graduate courses too. So you could do courses in quantum mechanics there as well. It's not it's not just the kiddie stuff that they leave there. Wow, and 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 so you found that because you were just aware of it, I guess, through whatever channels you became aware of it. But do you know of any other schools that do this sort of program that you can it's name? It's very common. It's much more really? common. People think it is. So I know that uh, Harvard and Yale has, have also offered courses, but now what they're doing is they're doing these um, MOOCs that, like I mentioned, this yeah. is a newer system. It didn't exist when I did this thing. And the MOOC system, so edX and Coursera are the two big MOOC platforms right now. Right. And these universities are no longer just taking material from their actual courses and just uploading it, which is what MIT OpenCourseWare is. It's just like, hey, we already have this material from teaching the actual class. Let's just put it online, and if anybody wants to use it, they can. The MOOCs are specifically designed for online consumption, and I think they're more user-friendly. They're a better introduction to the concept if you're not that familiar with it. You're not quite sure how to do it. Go to edX.org or Coursera.org and check out some of their MOOCs because you know, I've done them there and they're often way better than taking actual classes in university. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about how the hell you got through this so fast because, uh, you know, I, I was reading that you, you sort of, you're sort of into productivity hacking, right? Mm -hmm. So, so a lot of, uh, you know, ways in cutting corners and now you did that for, for Chinese, for learning Chinese, uh, for this program, what are some of your tips for, for getting through any sort of project uh, like, what are the, I guess, what are the big obstacles that people think take a shitload of time and really don't? Well, first, what I'd like to just maybe change my point of view on is that you, you talked about cutting corners. Yeah. And I would say that my methodology is not about cutting corners. Definitely, you know, people have different uh, philosophies on this. But my feeling is that what you want to do is be cutting waste. So it's not about trying to figure out some way that you can do it without really doing it. It's how can you do it? Um, without doing all the stuff that doesn't matter as right. well, and so I really like having that philosophy. So for um, for you know for these these classes uh, in the MIT challenge, one of the tricks that I used would be if they did have video lectures, I would usually watch them at about one and a half to two times the speed. You can do that with most video players, hmm. and yes, it does go a bit faster. But because it's a video, I don't have to have perfect notes. All I have to know is just roughly when they were talking about things. And if I'm doing a problem set and I don't understand, I can go back and rewatch that exact statement. So that's a little thing that, you know, normally it would take you four months to go through a course just sitting through the lectures. And I could do that in two or three days. So that really cuts down the amount of time you're spending. Um, and with Chinese, for example, there's really great software for managing how you remember vocabulary words. There's this software called Anki or Anki. And you... You use this, and it essentially it sets it up so that it's only reminding you about vocabulary words you need to memorize right when it thinks you're about to forget it. So instead of just having these huge lists that you're constantly reading over every day, you're getting this really efficient, targeted system for remembering information. Hmm. So one of the things uh, I think you had discussed in your video was time logging. 
And uh, I'm, I'm actually pretty interested in that myself. I use rescue time, but rescue time is limited to the computer and what you do on the computer. And I guess I'm curious how you might have implemented that and what kind of things you learned from tracking your time to help you cut down on this waste. Definitely. Well, one of the things, um, so I, I got started with time logging. I first heard about the idea long before like iPhone and these kinds of things existed. So I was just using literally a, like a little note card in my pocket with a pencil and just I, whenever I would switch activities, I would just note, jot down what time it is and then what I did. And so that's quite tedious compared to rescue time and these kinds of applications. So it's certainly not something you want to be doing constantly. But if you do it for a day or two and then you count up your time after, it's amazing how much time you're just wasting in between things or not really focusing or, you know, oh, I got to do this right now. And just being more organized about your time, just being able to set clear habits about organizing it. Um, you know, when I, when I talk about doing the MIT challenge and I would spend maybe, let's say, eight hours studying in a day, I've talked to a lot of students who spend way more than that studying but they get a lot less done because it's very scattered and they don't actually, their time logs, if they were to show it, would, would show a lot of holes where they're not actually doing what they should be doing. Hmm. Uh, do you have any, like if you, if somebody wants to try to uh, emulate this or uh, maybe just start learning on their own, do you have any like major or pieces of advice for someone who's looking to try to start something like this? Or do something like yeah. this? Well, I have, a, I have a lot of advice on my blog, so it's hard to uh, yeah. point out just one. I would recommend people check out the blog because there's tons of advice on getting started with um, like languages, math, anything that you want to learn, uh, what's a good way, good strategy for doing that. But honestly, what I would suggest for these kinds of open courses is just to change your thinking about it because a lot of people approach them like school classes where you know there's a lot of stress and pressure about passing and failing and you know if you don't get something right away I'll know you're getting behind and a lot of people have that negative affect towards school and because these things are free and you can sign up for them I suggest just checking it out and exploring it because I'll often learning them is quite interesting and I think developing that interest that passion for self-education trumps any particular technique that I can give you yeah absolutely I would agree so uh, Scott thanks for coming on man yeah, thanks for having me. It's been you, great talking to you. You are a uh, you're you're quite uh, an extraordinary guy going and doing all these things. So what's your next uh, what's your next thing that you're gonna do? Well, um, right now I don't know what the next thing is gonna be, but I would I have a lot of interest in uh, going back to some of the MIT class I did, uh, brush up on them. Um, right now I'm learning uh, a little bit of Ruby on Rails, so I'm hoping okay. to expand some of my computer science knowledge and just keep learning and keep writing about it. You gonna plan on building anything with the now with the programming skills? Oh, I'm sure. I already have built a, a couple small things, and I'm going to keep working on uh, on little projects here and there. And you can, if you go to the homepage for the website, I post all the projects that I've worked on since it's been done, so they, people can check that out as well. And it's scotthyoung.com. Scotthyoung.com. Yes. And can they find you on social media anywhere? Uh, yes, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter under scotthyoung.com. Cool. Perfect. Or sorry, Scott H. Young. Sorry. Right, at, yeah, at, at Scott H. Young. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, if you guys have any questions, you can email us in at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And uh, if you have any questions for Scott, be sure to pass them along, and we'll, and we'll do that. Uh, and if you like the show, please subscribe to our iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcasting app that you're using. 
uh, subscribe because we have an episode every single day that comes to you. And, and if you da- and if you subscribe, it's automatic. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to pick and choose. So uh, also another thing I want to mention is that if you leave a review, please let us know that you left a review. And you can leave reviews on either iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, but we would like to give you something for free, but we don't know if you actually left the review or not. So send us an email to listenmoneymatters at gmail.com letting us know that you left a review with a, you know, you can just copy and paste the review that you left if you want. And uh, real quick, I want to read a review from iTunes by Robin the House. And, then, and I want to say it's Robin, R-O-B-I-N. So not like she's stealing or he's stealing or whatever. So Robin the House from, from the United States. Funny, personable, relatable, informative, five stars. What more can you want than two ordinary guys chatting about money issues in a way that anyone can understand and identify with? Very entertaining and most enjoyable. Keep it up, guys. So thank you very much, Robin the House. I wonder if that has anything to do with Batman or it's probably their name. I don't know, <laughs> but a lot, a lot of times these, these names are quite hilarious so if you guys have uh you want to learn more about personal finance and learning and all that stuff we have it at listenmoneymatters.com and of course we'll have uh links to all the things that we talk about here on the show on the on the blog uh which you can go to listenmoneymatters.com slash show and all the resources and tools that we recommend of course you can go to listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox and scott thank you again for being on the show thanks for having me all right guys thanks again for hanging out with us and of course We look forward to the next episode. So later, Andrew. Later, Matt.